You're either on the bus or you're off the bus. Welcome aboard. This is episode 24 of Riding the Bus, the official Iowa Wild podcast presented by Explore Minnesota. We'll get to that read in not too long by none other than Mr. Joey Goldstein. It was a good one. It was a good one today. Ben Gislason, Iowa Wild Hockey. Just, well, as this episode comes out, it'll be almost exactly a month away uh, because, well, if you talk talk preseason, it'll be under a month away. Um, Preseason date has been announced which is awesome. Um, I am stoked about having a dry run game uh, because we've not gotten to do that the last couple of years. We've been over in Coralville. It's always nice to get at least one game in to try out all the new bells and whistles, specifically for me from an AHL TV broadcast standpoint. I know from your end it'll be really nice. But um, in general, not a ton to get to today before we get to our spectacular guest in Matt Hendricks, who – I knew it would be a great interview, one, because the development side of the Minnesota Wild organization is one that's relatively untapped, has been talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Two, he's a great storyteller. Three, anytime I get to talk to enforcers about just the nuance of fighting in the National Hockey it's League. It's so cool. It's so cool, and it's such a, it's such a guild, right? It, 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 to be in that guild is almost the most respect you get from other hockey players. There may not be a more respected style. Even you look at the the great scores. Obviously, they have a ton of respect, but there's something so charming to me about fighting, which sounds like an oxymoron, charming yeah. and fighting. But yeah. I think you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, it, I, it was interesting hearing him talk about like you know people outside the sport they don't really get it how like after you can just go and hang out and it's all good. It's like I, there's such a mutual respect for each other and what they do and why they like nobody's doing it like sure there are instances where guys are doing it because they absolutely hate the guts of the guy across from for the most part that's not the case that's a rare occasion that's not the Mm -hmm. case where where this is happening you're doing it because you're defending a team and 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 guys understand that they know that so it's like i I think there's that respect for each other where it's you know you just kind of it's just water on the bridge and and we're all right you're just whether you know the guy or not you're all in this fraternity and you're all buddies together. And I think that that plays a plays a part. The little things that force you to fight, like mm-hmm. like Hendy gets into, where he's like, I don't even want to do this, mm-hmm. but something happens, and he knows. Well, I have to go do yep. this now. Yeah, it's just I, it puts a smile on my face thinking about it. The, the the scary part about it, and we didn't get into it with Matt, is I mean, what's coming out with, with the CTE? Sure. That's the hard. That's yep. the hard part of it. Um, and some scary situations that have come from it, but at its essence, what it stands for, not necessarily the aftermath of fighting, but what it stands for in hockey, I will always be someone that is is hopeful that it will always have some You're role, of it. Some role in the game. Yep. I, I don't think that it's going away to what it was is a bad thing, mm-hmm. but less of it is fine, none of it. I don't think I would agree. be good for the sport. So there it's tough. when you look sta- at a league I'm sta- like I'm staking my flag in the ground on like it right the now. Look at a league like the Q, who just got rid of it, is getting rid that of it. That was crazy. Like it's 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 a totally different thing because for and that's a whole different story in its own right. Mm-hmm. Like a junior league getting rid of it is. I understand why you're doing it, but at the same time, like now these guys are going to come into a pro setting where they're not going to know anything, and that's that's even more dangerous mm-hmm. in some instances. So. Not to get on a tangent, but uh, See, yeah, we, we, that's we, as we say, we're going to get to our guest quickly. Like and then you could, and I go off. Like on, we on said with Hendy, <laughs> we could talk for we we didn't dive into his like his time in the AHL or things like. There were a lot of you know 
hockey playing career related questions that you wanted to get to that we never did. Yeah, I so skipped, like, I skipped about half of them that I wrote down. But you know what? I think that's like every single guest we talk to, we have that same discussion where it's like we got to stop this here. And yeah, we'll pick you want to be respectful time. of their time. And yep. he was so gracious with his, as he always is. Um, and it, like we talk about in the interview, one of an innumerable amount of tough guys. Mm-hmm. And and he, unlike some, he actually he did some other things. He was very well known for some other things than just yep. than just being like an enforcer. Face offs, yep. penalty kill, like those are massive, massive roles he to was play in a team. Really, really good at those. Helps with longevity. Um, but they're all just such nice people. It's yep. so it's bizarre. It's very you wouldn't ever guess it. Not again, just like he said, if you don't know the game, you wouldn't guess that. That guild is so full of really kind people. Mm-hmm. Cody McLeod, we talk about a lot in this, is one of, if not the nicest person I have seen come through the Wild locker room. Mm-hmm. Say that to someone who was watching how much Minnesota Wild fans at once at one point despised Cody McLeod some- for his role with the Colorado Avalanche. Like yeah. it's 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 amazing to think about the dichotomy between the off-ice and on-ice behavior of so many of these characters, and that's why it was fun to get to catch up with one today. There's definitely people I think back to in San Jose and even when I was in Worcester for a little bit who were some of the people who who I could still reach out to and have a conversation with who, I guess, I don't know if close is the word, but like it wouldn't feel weird just to catch up with them are people who are in this enforcer fraternity. Mm -hmm. Like, And it's, I don't know why, like you said, I don't know why it is that way, but... um, yeah, it was great to talk to Hendy. I think on the player side and the enforcer side is one thing, but with this week being Prospect Showcase Week and um, the, I mean, as of today when we're recording is when rosters came out and everything like that, so we can know who to expect. Connor Bedard will be there, so that's a good one to watch when it's on YouTube. But um, it's it's a good lead into what people can expect, and we kind of wrapped with it. But what can a casual fan look at when they're watching these games what can they look for so it's really cool and i'm not even going to get into what fans can look at because matt hendricks describes it much better than i can about what fans should be watching um but excited to be a part of it um i'll be a part of one of the broadcasts uh and joe o'donnell will will be doing play-by-play for the other side of it took the connor bedard game well what am i what am i what am i gonna do say hey joe you've been such an instrumental part in helping my career grow but by the way like no i want the bedard yeah put your foot down ben (laughs) Um, Plant your flag. Um, but uh, interestingly enough, uh, the past several years, this has almost always been the AHL broadcasters' calls. Mm-hmm. When Joe was here, he was doing them. I've done them the last several years. All of a sudden, Connor Bernard gets involved, and Joe get Joe gets off of his chair in the summer. And goes, wait a minute, I got to get the headset back yeah. on, huh? It'd be and it'd be <laughs> it's it's too bad too that it's it's going to be Bernard's. It'll probably be his second game because they'll probably have played one before that st louis yep yep they will yep, they play on yep, saturday yep, is yeah, what the, it is, the hawks right? wild is the second game for for both for both teams yeah so yeah. I, I mean either way it's just it's going to be a lot of fun to watch and um i'm excited just to see like i, w- I was texting Allie brown cornick today just just checking and see how she's doing with the baby and everything like that and she asked how things were going i was like i'm just ready for like just ready to have hockey back yeah. and it's going to be nice to this is the kickoff. This is the beginning of the season. This is where you're going to get your first taste. And for us, seeing a lot of guys who are very likely going to be here in Iowa this year and or next year, um, so it's cool to just get that, that first little glimpse of like what we're looking at. It's exciting. I mean, that defensive core 
the whole defensive core is basically what it is, right? Yep. Yeah, it is literally it's almost all of them. Um, at least as far as expectations go, um, obviously all will vie for a spot in Minnesota. They'll start there. Yeah. Likely the expectation specifically for the rookies and, and probably for Ryan O'Rourke and Simon Johansson is to, to be here. Uh, I'd imagine primarily. those are guys that wear letters at this thing too. And For sure. Right? You have always the second year guys typically do. Um, yeah, but really, I mean, you look at what that defensive core is listed in the TK showcase is, and the only other people you would feasibly add to it would be Brendan Miller and Dakota Mermis. And mm-hmm. Mermis is going to be a guy who's, as we talked about, will probably be back and forth a little bit because Minnesota is going to need a veteran-type option at times. Doesn't need to be at the prospect showcase. Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there might even be like a rule against that. But um, but uh, all the way from, from Ryan O'Rourke to Landon Cozier, uh, who's mm-hmm. an, an, a- an AHL-ECHL two-way contract, he could see and likely will see some time here with the Wild this season. So you're going to get a really good glimpse at what that looks like. Um, and you'll get a really good l- glimpse at the skill of it because this showcase, as memory serves, is – much more loose, free-flowing. There's some structure, but not a lot. It mm-hmm. really is they play within a pretty fundamental, simple structure that's going to be like what obviously they're trying to learn when they yeah. walk into the Wild organization, but the expectation is probably not that they're going to pick it up like this and execute it. So you really do get to see a little bit more of a free-flowing style of play um, at these events, and, and that's fun. It's fun for the fans, and but all structure, all skill aside – the most exciting part of it is, like you said, hockey on the ice. And as Matt Hendricks tells us, these players will take it like it is an actual game because for them it is. They're trying yep. to prove that they have done their offseason well. They have worked out. They have achieved their goals that the coaching staff and the development team has set for them in the offseason. And they're coming in to prove they belong at main camp and try to prove they can belong in Minnesota or for a guy like Landon Kojer, belong in Iowa here with us in Des Moines. Where, before we get into the interview, we're going to kind of put a bow on – this prospect showcase for those who didn't see it or haven't heard or anything like that, where can they watch and listen? Well, hopefully when we're putting this podcast out, it has been announced or else we're going to have to cut this, but it's going to be on YouTube. On the it's Minnesota out. Wild. It's already out. Yeah. I didn't talk see about it. it. It was, it was like in our, in our release today. Yeah. Uh, the rock I've been living on my social media, I'll rock double I've been, check my, my social I'm media like, rock. I've been living under. Well, you probably hadn't fired up your computer yet. That's, so that's like, true. That's the I only way that. you're going to see it or your desktop browser on your phone, which I is actually even tweeted crazier, something today like, from my desktop phone. My, did, did you see my new, uh, my new broadcast chart folder? No, It's great. No. I found it in my storage. <laughs> Marquise is laughing. laughing. Like, He's like, what is he talking about? Not. Boy, we're really off the rails now. I found yeah, Minnesota tweeted out. Both oh. games will be streamed live on the Wild YouTube channel. Oh, good. Channel. We don't have to cut this then. No. We should just cut it because it's nonsensical it. I know what silly. we're doing. I would have. Um, yeah, so YouTube, uh, both will be available. I'll be on the call on uh, Friday night. Joe will have the call on Sunday. So Iowa Wild representing, which is excellent. Yeah, so Joey's currently looking at wow. my broadcast chart Folder essentially for any fans that don't know when I call when I call (laughs) when I call games and this isn't something I came up with I learned this from a a mentor of mine Manila envelope open it up I use a couple of or four actually actually it's more like ten ten paper clips to put my different sheets on this folder and then I use it and I can set it up and I found this Manila envelope from when I was in elementary school where a I misspelled hockey, H-O-C-E-Y, crossed out the E and then put K-E-Y on top of it in different non-bubble letters. 
I had uh, the Burnsville Blaze, my youth program that I played for where I grew up. And you got my, a lot of teams on here. A lot of, team, a lot of my uh, players I loved watching at the time. You'll see Mike Madonna on there. There's a baseball on here? There, yeah, there's a football, a poorly drawn football. My That's what that is? Yeah, it's a football, yeah. My, I can't wait till people see this. <laughs> so, And the other thing that I'd love to point out is all the names that you see on there are very well-known names, mm-hmm. except for one on the left side. Eric Brewer? Eric Brewer, who is just like tough as nails, defensive defenseman, good puck mover, but not a, not a big 90s name. Anybody who had ever seen me play hockey would understand why I liked Eric Brewer's game because I've definitely channeled that in a much poorer, bad, more uh, worse at hockey way in my hockey career. But I loved that Eric Brewer was on there. I was just like, that's, that's such a weird puck doku type reference for you know for you and I. I still get into that, that a lot. Yeah, maybe which, we talk about that in the, in the latter half. I still got to yeah. do mine today. I'm one away from a. Not the board I had the other day, yeah. but I got a good go. one going right now. Then I got distracted with well work, like I should be doing, yeah. which is actually probably the opposite way. I got distracted by Puckdoku at one point. <laughs> but let's get we're to, getting let's crazy. Get to the, what let's did we say? We're gonna get right to Matt Hendricks. Yeah, yeah. Keep listening, guys. We did. It's okay. Great. Let's get to it. Uh, a really great interview with truly, and I mean this with all sense of genuineness. This is one of the great people you can talk to mm-hmm. in hockey. He's such a kind man. And just so much fun to talk to. Uh, the assistant director of player development for the Minnesota Wild and a veteran of over 600 National Hockey League games, Matt Hendricks. Before we get into our second period interview, we once again have to thank our sponsors at Explore Minnesota. Sometimes the magic of the moment is just hard to put into words, and vacation memories are known to expand with time. That's how a trip to Minnesota feels, right, Ben? Mm, You're there. You go quite a bit. Spot on. And... It's how it leaves you. Memories that become part fact, part feeling, but 100% real. Plan your dream vacation at exploreminnesota.com. It's a wonderful segue into our guest here today, who is a native son of the state of hockey, a Minnesotan also on his mantle over 600 National Hockey League games played, just shy of 250 AHL games played, so we can talk about the American League too. And really what we're going to dive into today, his current role as Assistant Director of Player Development, or Devo, as it's known inside of the Iowa Wild locker room. Matt Hendricks is with us here today. Hendy, thanks so much for joining us, and you got a big smile on your face, which is a usual sight whenever I get to talk to you. So we're looking forward to sitting down and talking more with you today. Well, that's you guys. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, but you guys you guys put a smile on my face every time. I'm excited for this. I look forward to these. It was definitely the read. That's what that is. <laughs> it was. It was <laughs> the read. It was definitely the read. Uh, so we're on riding the bus, Hendy, and this is really an attempt to try to put our listeners on the bus next to Matt Hendricks and saddle up for – 45 minutes to an hour here and make them feel like they're sitting right next to you uh, telling old war stories. So the first question we always start with, tell us a great bus story. Cause I know you have them. Cause you've spent plenty of time on the old, uh, on the old bone oh. rattler. Oh, this is, <laughs> there's so many good ones. I'm going to share a story that unfortunately I wasn't able to be on this bus because it happened to an opponent. When I was playing in uh, Providence, Rhode Island for the Providence Bruins, um, Portland, where the Portland Pirates were coming in for a, for a night game. And somewhere up along the road, their, their bus broke down, actually caught on fire. And it wasn't real major. They all got off and everyone was safe and a new bus came to the rescue. 
but the fire took place down below where all the equipment and bags were. Oh boy. So the, the funniest part about all this is that these, the guy, the Portland, the Portland players were able to step out onto the ice literally at game time. They had no warm up. They had nothing. They got into the rink, they threw their gear on and they came out. And what, <laughs> what was the funniest is that that smoke had got into all their equipment bags and everything <laughs> smelled like a, like a bonfire. If you can imagine so these guys are complaining, like even putting their mouth guards in was a task and a chore. And the goaltender and his hel- had the full helmet and mask on and just couldn't get away with it. They had a real rough night that night for sure. But everybody was safe. But, man, was it funny for us. We were laughing at those guys all night. So did did you have any premeditated knowledge of this? Or did you learn about this when you got out on the ice and went, our opponents smell like a bonfire? No, well, we we got wind of it because usually you, you see the opponents in the hallways. You see them warming up, stretching, playing soccer, and there was crickets down at their end of the hall. So at the old Dunkin' Donut Center, and you know we got wind from our from our equipment trainers that yeah, they haven't found they haven't shown up yet. Then the officials got involved with our coaching staff. We may have to cancel. I'm not sure. And then we got wind that it was that their bus had had a small fire on it. And I'm glad they were able to make him? it though. Oh yeah, it was a. I think well, I'd have to look back to be sure, but yeah, I, I think we did. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's pretty epic. One we haven't That's had any one. fire nope. stories yet. I mean, it's a good thing that those aren't too rampant in in, in minor hockey. But uh, well, right. we're off and running. Uh, the bus is rolling. Uh, one thing actually that was not on my rundown that came up very late in the day today in our Iowa Wild group chat text that we have the hockey ops group there was a picture <laughs> and a text directed towards you today from our goalie coach Richard Bachman regarding the jeans aisle at Menards I'm yeah. not in the loop on the joke can you share this joke with us yeah I guess I could share the story so I like to do a lot of outdoorsy stuff a lot of work I got a small tractor I like driving around and working on stuff acting real smart if you know what I mean and my wife gets after me when I wear nice jeans out and I, you know, put a hole in them or get oil on them and she can't get them clean. So I, I started shopping in the, in the jeans aisle at Menards. So it was about probably a year and a half. It might have been close to this time last year, actually. We were sitting in the offices down at Tria in the coach's room and it was Brad and, it was Brad and I and I believe Mike Murray was in there. And, and uh, we were getting done working for the day, and I said, oh, I had to go to Menards, and Bomber always laughed because it seems like every day I'm going to Menards, and he asked what I was going there for this time. And I said, well, I got to re- return a pair of jeans. And he spit his coffee out, laughing, and he says, oh, I could hardly hold it together. He says, well, why did you buy from jeans at Menards, and why are you returning them? I said, well, if you've ever been to Menards, they don't have change rooms. So you got to bring, you got to, it's a purchase and then try on type of place. So you make the purchase. I bring them home and they're a little tight. So I had to return them and get a bigger size, but somehow, and I'm not going to name names, that story leaked out to the rest of the guys. And now uh, I'm kind of the brunt of the joke. Well, now it's really going to leak out there. Well, I'm glad, <laughs> oh, I, I'm, I'm right. glad I asked. Maybe Tom and Art will uh, send me a couple of coupons for his store for pumping his tire a bit. Uh, free ads. Free ads. Uh, you bring free up NASCAR tickets. <laughs> you bring up Brad Bombardier, uh, the, the head of player development for the Minnesota Wild. Yourself, you guys have been the tag team for a while. You add Cody McLeod into the fold, which brings me to my next question. 
in a tag team brawl, is there another <laughs> Devo team on the planet that could contest with the Minnesota Wild group? I mean, just shy of 2,500 National Hockey League penalty minutes there. Bomber only has 91 of them. I looked that up today. <laughs> um, so he's on the wrong side of, the, of that group. But, hey, tough in his own right. Seriously, I mean, this is – there is no other group that could even come close to you guys when it comes to toughness. I don't, at least I don't think. Do you? Would you know of anybody that might be able to contest? I don't. I don't know. I. I guess I haven't looked at it that way. But you know, that was something Cody and I had to do to stay in the league. So it's just kind of who we are. <laughs> we want to get into this role because it is one that is so integral to the Iowa Wild, yet I don't know how much our fans really know about what player development is. So walk us through, Hendy, the day-to-day, the week-to-week, your life, not only what you're doing, but your role. What is the goal of having this player development department operating such as the Minnesota Wild, and I believe every National Hockey League team has in Mm -hmm. today's day and age of hockey? Right. Well, I'll speak for for our group, for for us three. You know, the – our prospect tool or pool is kind of well it is the the lifeline to our to our club and we put a huge em- emphasis on on development um from Craig Leopold right down to Billy Garrett through the whole staff they put a huge emphasis and an importance on on developing our young prospects because we do believe we are going to win a build a winning team with these players so kind of the day to day i guess it would really be I would say that we manage these players, you know, and that there's a lot of different fingers that come off that. And a lot of it has to do with trying to help them reach their dream of playing in the National Hockey League, putting on a Minnesota wild sweater someday. And there's a lot of things that go in into that. And a lot of it's on ice, but just as much off ice and the importance and and in the mental side of the game, the nutritional side of the game, the strength and conditioning side of the game. And we are there to help manage and facilitate for our organization and give these players everything we possibly can to reach their, their goal and their dream. And just like an example of that would be, you know, facilitating, helping a player that may be living in Sweden, for example, we can talk Liam Ogren and getting his strength coach in contact with our strength coach for discussions and helping work through that and then being a sounding board for Liam if he has questions and we can help him get answers. That's just one of the things. Another thing would be a very important part of it would be the relationship that we build with a player's coach. Um, We have a player playing in the NCAA and we have to have a good relationship with the coach and understand what what he's seeing in the day to day and where we can help influence or help our player grow his game. Clearly, there was a need for this that team started to identify at some point. I would imagine Matt Hendricks turning pro circa 2004 player development, maybe as a specific role. Was that around then or was it a little bit more you learn from the coaching staff, these things that now player development coaches are handling themselves. Yes, and it definitely has grown quite a bit. Um, Each organization is a little bit different on how they handle it, and a lot has to do with the prospect pool and the size of their prospect pool, how many many coaches they have in development. Um, Speaking for myself coming through, Jeff Keelty, who's now an assistant general manager with Nashville, kind of took on this role um, 
with the Predators back when I was drafted with them. Now that it wasn't nearly to the extent that it's grown to now with a lot of in-person visits and, and a lot of in-person communication, whether through text, phone calls, emails, video work, things like that. That side of it has really, really grown. What conversations do you find yourself having most? Is there is there one topic that you think, man, just about every player that I come into contact with is having to ask this question or get over this hurdle, so to speak? Well, it, the great thing about kind of the new player now is that they, they do ask a lot, a lot of questions, you know, more than I definitely did. I, I know Cody and I have talked about this in the past, like, and it's a great thing, to be honest. I think we were either, we were, shy nervous a little timid to ask questions we wanted to do what we were told and and my <laughs> just try to do everything we could to get ice time and players are asking a lot of why questions and a lot of well what did you see in my game tonight they want they want to know they want input they want information and they seem to grasp it at a lot earlier age than than we did that's for sure i would say the player is growing the modern day player is growing both um physically and mentally. You said you get guys who will ask you after games, you know, what did you see tonight? So when you're here in Des Moines or, or when you're watching games, when the guys are on the road, what are the things that you guys are really looking for on a nightly basis? Well, I, big one for me is compete. And it doesn't matter for me if you're a top line center power play guy, or you're a fourth line penalty kill number six defenseman. For me, it's number one is compete that you're showing up with a game plan, a personal game plan of how you're going to be engaged throughout a hockey game. And the best players in the world, in my opinion, are the hardest workers. I was blessed. I was talking about it earlier today to play with Connor McDavid in, in Edmonton for a few years. And we all know how great he is and how skilled he is, but his, his compete every day, whether it's practice, his habits, they're, they're above, above and beyond a lot of players at that level. Let's if that stop. answers your question. Yeah, I would say it does. Definitely. Let's stop on that for a second. It's not often you get to talk yeah. to somebody who's had personal connection with Connor McDavid. When I say a great Connor McDavid story, and it maybe could be an example of this or something else, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? The best player in the world. Bar down, no, no doubt in my mind. That's that's my opinion. I know other people disagree with me, but not many do, but some do. <laughs> um, just his, his ability to be extremely creative uh, the amount of times personally that I got to see him turn nothing into something special was felt like a weekly basis for sure. Um, and just the, the human inside the player, the person inside the player, most importantly, he is an incredible human cares dearly about his teammates, cares dearly about the organization that he plays for. And he wants nothing more than to win a championship. The awards that he gets every year, they don't, necessarily matter to him he would much rather be holding that big silver thing in the middle of june most would i would imagine I most would yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely you, you get a guy like mcdavid obviously it's there's a lot of natural talent there but is it i mean is it something you tell guys in our organization where it's just like sure naturally he's gifted in a lot of areas where some people may not be but it's there's so much work that goes in off the ice too that people don't see and is that something you try to get that message you said you said it exactly right you get out what you put into it you know and he is every single day he wakes up with a plan he goes to bed at night with a plan 
you know, and a lot of the best players do. And there's a lot of players that don't have that talent level that understand that and build great careers. But you get out what you put in. God, but now I think about it, there's McDavid in there. He played with Alex Ovechkin, too. Kind of knocking down the list of, like, yep. playing with the great ones. Pretty pretty special. Um, yeah. I'm the lucky one, not them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but – uh, well, I'm sure they'd have some nice things to say because someone had to defend those guys too, mm-hmm. uh, and that was something you did very well. Uh, but speaking of individual players, when I say is there a player within the development path of Minnesota, and, and this is you know coming up, I believe it's five years for you doing this now. I think you jumped on right before I jumped in with Iowa. Is there anybody that comes to mind when I say really proud of this player and how we saw them develop and how they – honed and took in our advice to grow and the game they're playing now compared to maybe the game or the person that they brought in from when they were drafted or when they came into the wild organization. Is there anybody, an example that jumps to mind there that's really flourishing now? Well, there's, you know, there are a few definitely um, guys that are playing with the big club right now that I, I don't want to make sure I don't miss anybody, but <laughs> um, you know, the Connor Dewars, the Brandon Duhams, the Mason Shaw's like those they were very good American Hockey League players, and I was I was fortunate enough to get the opportunity to work with those three um, when I first came in, and to see them put on an NHL sweater, play their first NHL games, find success, find an actual spot on the roster where they're not going up and down every couple of weeks is extremely rewarding. I don't take any of that credit. We don't take that credit in development that is strictly on the players. We just hope that we gave them maybe 1% of knowledge or a, a little bit of a tip to help them get there. Um, in terms of guys that are playing up there now, you've got that I was part of a little bit earlier, um, Kalen Addison um, with the trade from Pittsburgh, and then Matt Boldy, he was drafted that first year that I came on, and, and he's also – doing tremendous work for our, for our big club. So those are the guys that, you know, I, I got to learn a lot in, of my role through working with them and how to communicate and, you know, when was the right time to kind of, you know, add some humor to our conversations and stuff when things were getting a little bit too, too hot under the collar, maybe with the way they were seeing their performances or they weren't necessarily happy with the way they were playing. And so I think, you know, I, I feel like I'm the one with the reward having been able to work with those guys and learn from them about what I'm trying to do with the new crop coming in. I mean, we feel so it's so rewarding for us when we see these guys go up and we're not with them nearly Mm -hmm. as in the weeds as you are looking at a guy like Mason Shaw, who's obviously gone through so much with injuries and just overcoming so many obstacles to ultimately establishing himself as a full-time NHL player, how I'm just kind of a peek behind the curtain. Like what were conversations like with him throughout all those, every time he gets hurt, you know, it's, it's their setbacks. And how do you keep somebody like that? Just driven focus. I know Shazi has just that. A lot of it's probably built in, but like, how do you guys help out with a player like that? Who's, who's just constantly trying to get over, over that, that injury hurdle. Yeah. Uh, There's, not a guy that puts a bigger smile on my face when it comes to hockey players, the way that he just has never quit attitude. He never gave up, never anything. And with my experiences with him, we didn't talk a lot about injuries. 
you know, when he had him, it was, yeah, I'll be fine. I'll get back. What we talked about was how am I going to get to the next level? You know, he, he was always looking not way down the road, but one day ahead, you know, I'll, I'll overcome this injury just like the last one, just like the one before that. And he was out, his questions always regarded around, how am I going to get there? And you give him all the credit in the world. He's the one that put in the work, the time. And what I love about him is a similar story is you didn't, a lot of people don't believe you're going to make it. And it only takes one person to believe and it was him. And that's, that's all that matters. There is such a, a difference in, in like we talked about what's going on now, the development that players are getting compared to when you were coming into the league. And, and I'm curious is there anything that you think back on and think, boy, I wish someone would have been there to maybe help me learn this not the hard way that maybe you tried to implement now and you want players to learn earlier because you had to learn this the hard way? Is there anything that, that, that comes to mind when I, when I pose that question? Um, yeah, there, there's, there are we, – we definitely talk about this stuff. Um, I think we talk more about having access to the nutrition, nutritional stuff. We've got Jenna Stanglin up with, in Minnesota and she's, you know, she's got her grasp on all of our guys now and helps them at such a young age. So they have the knowledge and the capabilities and, you know, it's simple as even how to cook some things at home. You know, those are the things I really wish I would have had the access to, you know, hands-on strength and conditioning, you know, Matt Harder and his team, they do do great work for our young guys and they put the time in, which is extremely awesome in terms of hockey stuff. There are, I mean, there are, I, I think special teams play, you know, I, I always looked at myself as a big power forward power play guy, but it wasn't, my career didn't necessarily take, take off even at the minor league level until I really learned how to become a good penalty killer. And if that was something that someone would have been telling me, when I'm 18, 19, 20 years old, like, hey, put the work in on this stuff. This is what's going to help you take that next step earlier. Those are some of the, some of the, I guess if that answers your question, some of the examples of things that we really like to help our, our players with is, you know, the real small details within a game, whether it's stick work and, you know, positioning and angles and ways that you're retrieving a puck for defensemen little details that we see whether it's live viewings or through video that we can help these guys with and the earlier they can start working on this and understanding it the earlier it's going to start helping them uh, in their games looking let's using dev camp as an example because that's when a lot of the young prospects are here you get you're in front of this group and you have the opportunity to give them just one piece of advice and nothing else what are you giving mm, them i like this He's like, well, I, he's question. like, well, I get to give them as much advice as I want, Joe. Yeah, it's like, but <laughs> like you, can, you, can, you can say, like, you can, you, you've only got no, 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 one you got thing one that thing. you're able to like say. It. What is the best piece of advice that you can give these guys? Oh, that's a great question. Um, it's, it's how bad do you want it? I don't want to have it. I don't want to want it more for a player. I want the player to want it more than I want it for him. So that would be the one thing that I would say is how, how bad do you want it? And leading into that and go out and do it. I've got what are you willing to do? I didn't mean to cut you off there. 
It's a great, oh, it's a great yeah, answer. Yeah, it's a great answer. I said, I've got a laundry list of player questions I want to get to, but my final Devo-related question I have, unless we miss anything, Hendy, and then you're more than welcome to take over. Oh, <laughs> you've missed so much, Ben. We could be on this for four hours. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't, tempt, just don't tempt me with a good time. Don't tempt me with a right. good time. Um, right. The one thing that really kind of blew me away when I first got into pro hockey was I didn't realize how – these players really, and this is where I think development teams come in such key or so key is these guys are just thrown into the fire. They go right into a new city. Some of them don't know how to cook, don't know how to clean, don't know how to make their bed, don't know how to do laundry. Is there, and you don't have to name names, but is there any great stories? And it, maybe it's from your time playing. Maybe you had teammates or examples of guys that just came in and, and you went, really, you don't like, you don't know how to do that or any funny stories that you think about of just, the 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 infancy that is being a new pro because it really is i mean you don't get to go to college and have and have other people that are helping you in there you maybe have a billet family i think it probably depends a little bit on how much your billet family wants You're to not teach on you. your own it's different being yes your own. Yeah. anything that you're smiling what do you got uh, i mean there's there's a lot of stories like i've played with guys that they're 21 years old and they don't have a driver's license yet they're like i don't really need one my roommate's got one <laughs> all right you know it, it, <laughs> towards the end of my career it was also amazing you know the younger player when you've now we've got uber eats and all these things like you go into their apartments and they don't even they don't have dishes <laughs> they're like well i don't need dishes i eat at the rink or I get uber eats i was like well <laughs> it just these these funny things like this that really stand out to me but no you're exactly right it it is different and it's you know, for the way college hockey is now, for example, they they get fed a lot at the rink and they, they've they got dining halls and they don't do a lot of food preparation on their own. Some players are different than most, for sure, that, that kind of take pride in, I want to cook my own food, know what I'm putting in my body. But, you know, these, these universities now are, are giving these kids great nutrition. So it's different. And then all of a sudden you get thrown into the American League and it's like, whoa, I need somebody that can help teach me this stuff. And that's where the important veteran players come into helping and, you know, understanding because they've been there through experience, right? They understand what it's like and they help all our young guys all the time. We've got a great group. It's that Joe Hicketts, Adam Beckman conversation. What is this piece of equipment for the kitchen? What does this do? What does this do? What does this do? That was right. always resonates with me. I think the kitchen stuff is the best for me. And then, you know, you come to the rink and now we're all hockey players and let's get on with our day. But there are those small things, laundry, stuff that players aren't used to doing. I will say this, though. The Swedes are, they're, uh, I think they end up living by themselves at a younger age than we do over here. They're pretty put together and, and understand all this stuff when they come over. That's, that's an excellent point. And I want to follow up with that by saying, talking about a guy who lived on his own early, Jesper Volstead. I mean, what I know I was blown away by the maturity level of him when he came in. Not that there isn't growth and learning to do, but was that shared on the hockey op side with just how prepared this 19-year-old when he got here, 20-year-old in November of last year, was there a surprise around that? Or did you know development-wise coming in that he was mature beyond his years by a lot of respects? Well, I think it's the it's their culture too, the way that that they're raised in in the hockey world. When I when I say raised, I mean, in as a hockey player, you know, a lot of them are sent away 
at a, at a Jesper would have been in Lulia as a really young 18 year old. I think he was, fi- I think he was 15 when yeah. he first went pro. He told me, I think. For, yeah. Well, I'm not sure. I can't remember back where he played at 15, but 17 years old playing in the SHL. It's a pretty unique story. And, and that's what I, in my short, in four years doing this job have found, you know, Simon Johansson was the same way. He, uh, extremely mature. He's playing in Finland actually when I first went over to see him. Um, yeah, I'm kind of on a tangent here, but I That's a podcast I think, yeah, or <laughs> right. I think I think I think you're onto something, you know, with with Jesper and the and the way that he was when he got here. Um just yeah, maturity is probably a great word. Been around, surrounded by pro players, older players when he was a lot younger compared to most of our college and Canadian players, if if that makes sense. I'm sure that helps. So with that comes a responsibility on the individual player on Jesper to be a little bit more mature and learn from these guys and, and come in. You can't be acting like a, you know, 17, 18 year old college player when you're hanging out with 28, 30 year old men every day. So, but yeah, he died. He, he came in with a, with a great attitude too. And he's just a, he's a great young prospect for us and, Look forward to watching him continue to get better every year, every day. I just remember when we had him on the podcast and he was giving us different recipes he likes to cook at home. And I'm yeah. like, I'm thinking about myself at 20 and I'm like, Jack's pizza. I mean, that was, I could make a <laughs> right. mean Jack's pizza. I got a I microwave. I can use that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's. Yeah, we talk a lot about we talk a lot about Swedish meatballs and lingonberry sauce. If you know what that is, it's good stuff. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, let's turn the clocks back, and I, I I promised we would talk Matt Hendricks, the player, because I can't help myself. Uh, I've had the privilege <laughs> of getting to do this with you before. We've had you on uh, radio shows and et cetera, and and much like you said about talking Devo. We don't have enough time for me to ask all the questions I want to ask. I have some questions that I know I'm going to have to cut for the sake of time. But for starters, to again circle back to our discussion about the Devo team, Cody McLeod, who fans in Iowa know his his game very, very well. Uh, you and him, as far as I could count, was it three scraps you guys had, or was there more than that? Oh. Way more? I, I think you could find probably – Seven or eight. Oh, I wasn't even close. I was scrolling hockey fights oh. earlier today. I, I missed <laughs> it. You didn't go back long. enough. No, I didn't go back far yeah. enough. So I have three questions off of those off of those fights. Yeah. One, I know at least one of those fights, you guys were, were since teammates in Colorado, so you were very good friends, and then you fought after, yeah. after that. So my yeah. questions are, does your inhibition go up? When you're fighting a friend, are you are you as are you as concerned about it when you're fighting a friend, or is it just business as usual? Does instinct take over? Two, what was your game plan when fighting Cody? Did you have an idea of how you wanted to fight him? And three, who is the perceived <laughs> champion of that fighting series, McLeod and Hendricks? Uh, asking the hard hitting yeah. questions. This is unbelievable. <laughs> there we are. That's a lot in there. Um, well, first and foremost, Cody's a tremendous guy, great friend of mine. Um, ton of respect for him and the and the, his career that he put together. Um, yeah, we we had a number of scraps, and I was you know, I look I was a a much utilized penalty killer and face off man, so I didn't always want to be fighting him, right? But he just could get under my skin so much or do something so off the wall in the game where I didn't have a choice. 
And he knew that about me. He knew that about me, that if he did something and he could finally figure out a way to kind of get the knife in and then just twist it a little bit more, that he'd get a fight out of it. And, oh, yeah, he he's a tough character in terms of a defense mechanism. I didn't – I just wanted to stay away from his big right, you know, try to keep him off balance any way I could. But he's got a size advantage on me. Um, I give him the – he had the benefit of, of the doubt on more than one occasion, for sure. I got him good one time in Winnipeg, and then I think our last one was center ice at Madison Square Garden. We got a pretty cool picture out of that. So what a girl! It, that's it was that's unbelievable. Yeah, well, in the yeah, I mean, we just go back and in our days in Colorado, neither of us we didn't have kids yet. Cody's wife Jess and my wife Kim. We're really good friends, and it really is funny that I think they both just sh shake their heads at us when we're doing this <laughs> silly stuff. But, you know, talking about the business side, and, you know, that was the culture back then, and that was the time that that was the way hockey was played. But it's, it's changing. You see the trends changing. But it was always business to co for Cody and I. It, there was never – believe me, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't playing around when we dropped our gloves. It was serious, and – he used to get me really agitated. So that was the way it was. And after the game, it was fine. I don't know why it's people that don't know the game. They shake their heads and can't believe it, but it's just the way it is. I love the guy. He's, he's a great friend. Can you share with us at least one example of the way he would twist the knife? Is there anything you can share oh. or remember about like he did this or he did this or one of those off the wall things he did to get after you? Yeah, there's a couple, you know, there's, there's a couple things. I, I think it was my first game back in Colorado. The first might have been the first time we fought. I'm trying to remember back. You know, we went out for dinner the night before in Denver, and he's like, we're going to fight tomorrow. And I'm, I'm leaving dinner. I'm shaking my head. I'm like, you're a knucklehead. I'm not fighting you. He's like, all right. I was just kidding. And then he, I, I was on the bench. He went over the boards. And he came by our bench. Now, Dale Hunter had just taken the job for the Caps. So it was, you know, Dale had been there, I don't know, three games maybe. And Cody knew that. He's a very intelligent guy. He knows how to get people into situations. <laughs> I mean, I, he was one of the best in the league at it for a very, very long time. And he comes by the bench and he says something to me in front of this new, in front of our new coach. And I had, so I had no choice. I'm looking at him like, you idiot. You can't say that. This coach doesn't know me. He doesn't know anything about us. So right away, I go out there and I grab him. And that was that was the first time he did it. And there's a lot of stories like that. <laughs> yep. I want to try to find, uh, but he said, I find yeah. that video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Incredible. You bring up, and, and Cody is such a great example. You're a great example of this. In, in my young career, Nine out of 10, 19 out of 20, 99 out of 100 enforcers that you meet are warm and kind. It seems like such a dichotomy, but it's a real truth. Why do you think that is? Because it really is, it, it amazes me the type of quality individuals you meet that have racked up a lot of penalty minutes in their NHL careers, but you meet them off the ice and they are just the sweetest people, yourself included in this, Hendy. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I've been asked that same question, Benny, and I don't have a great answer for it. You know, I just think it's it's 
it's who you are at, at, you know, at heart, like with, for Cody, for example, I, when you guys asked me about what was the one thing that I would say that that's Cody McLeod, I'll do anything. Well, a lot of people can say that, but he was willing and did it on a consistent basis for years and years and years, you know, and that's what amazed me about him. That's why I think he's, he's incredible. Why he was an incredible at his job as a player and why he's, doing such great work for us now because he understands that side of it. He understands how many players want to live the dream of playing in the National Hockey League, and you have to be willing to do whatever it takes to get there. For any hockey fan who thinks that all enforcers can do is fight, they need to do more homework. I heard a great story that Derek Bugard had a sensational set of hands on him, I heard. There are, yeah. there are skills amongst these fighters, if you want to call them that, that transcend what anybody thinks they're capable of doing. It, not, and then there are guys that can fight and can score, Cam Neely, Wendell Clark, et cetera. But is there a sneaky enforcer that people wouldn't think had just a remarkable set of hands or could hit a dime hanging from the net that you could bring up that you think about from your time playing? The one that I'll never forget, if you remember, um, Eric Bolton. I mean, there weren't many tougher guys than him in the National Hockey League. Um, and he scored a hat trick on Marty Brodeur in a real NHL game, not exhibition, legitimate game. And I mean, that's for me, I, I, I never did that. I mean, that's incredible. Uh, he had some skill and I, that's the thing is that a lot of guys that dropped the gloves professionally in hockey were, were scorers at some level. They just had to find a way to get their foot in the door in the NHL. Is that, you think, one, and not fighting, but is that one of the biggest separators from those who knock on the door of the NHL and those who eventually find a home? Is it the willingness to adapt? Absolutely. And that's what I think. That I think that's intelligent. I think there's players out there. We just got a guy in Patrick Maroon with the big club who I think has – some of the best hockey brain around. He knows how to get under anyone's skin. He knows what to do in the right moments of a hockey game or in a locker room to get his teammates up and ready. And the guys won three Stanley Cups. That's intelligence, the ability to adapt. I've really just ran with this interview. Do you have to? Do you no, have things you want to get to? <laughs> yeah, no, I was. Been, I was I've glad been to let you bulldozing this. No, whole no, thing. no, I was glad to let you run on the player side. That's, guys checking I mean, emails over here. He's no. just like Ben's got this. He's not going to let I'm me. I'm taking ask any notes questions. to make. I'm taking notes to make sure we know which teasers we want to use because there's some good <laughs> that's ones. Good. We in always here. forget to do we that. We always forget. So I've been <laughs> jotting down. Yep, that's a good story. That's a good story. I my, my question, the last real question I had wasn't really on the player side. It was more just on the the dev camp side and. and development kind of to, to wrap things so mm -hmm. i'll let you keep kind of running I have, with i have one final question and i've asked you this before but i want to get this on the podcast side your real claim to fame is shootout specialist i mean and if anybody who hasn't watched <laughs> matt hendrix in the shootout go youtube it now because it is a blast to watch it was the thing of beauty uh the paralyzer the nickname when you were in washington who gave you that nickname and where did you learn that move well, the nickname, I, I, I think it might have been Joe Beninati who was calling the games for the Caps. I believe it was him. It was one of our announcers. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly, but the move actually started back at Blaine High School with Scott Bukestead, who was my assistant coach at Blaine High School. 
Um, and he, I mean, the guy scored 45 one year for the North Stars, I, I believe. That guy could score. He could score and he could shoot the lights out. And he he was always work on this specific move that you didn't see a whole lot. You know, some of the best players could always give a little head fake or a little stick fake on a goalie and get him to bite. My problem was I would always skate way too fast and I would do the move and I would never give myself enough room to score. I'd, you know, I'd get too close to the goalie and I couldn't get the puck over his pad. And he worked with me on this for four years and I never got it and it never, still never got it until I think it started working my, when I was in Rochester with the Rochester Americans, my first full year in the, in the American league. And what I found was I, I had visual spots on the rink where I had to make my move by to allow myself <laughs> to be able to do it. And you know, it and it worked through the American League, and then it it just kept working. You know, it what killed the 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 move was when they stopped doing the dry scrape after regulation. You know, the Zamboni used to go around and clean the ice up. Now the shovels just come out. So my point being is now the ice isn't very slippery. So when the goalie bites, he doesn't slide. Because I used to just wait to see what way he was sliding, and I'd go to the other way. But now they stick to the ice, and if they don't show me exactly where to go. I'm not. I wasn't able to figure it out. So that's kind of how. That's kind of how it went. The word that comes to mind watching those videos, and I watched them again today for I don't know the umpteenth time. I mean, I remember watching them live growing up, watching the Capitals and you, Matt, play. Bamboozled. I mean, goalies were. They looked like fools. <laughs> they were just like great goal to edit, top of the line, the best goalies in the world, just sliding one way, like leaving the net. Well, it was incredible. It was such a yeah. moment and window in time of just insanity that I vividly remember watching happen live. It was so cool. Someday, it was- and it kept. It, it just kept working. I don't know. I I kept saying, "Well, it's not going to work today." I just did it. <laughs> yesterday or two days ago there's i think i think i had one three in one week in washington the year dale hunter was there and i was like i think the third one was against boston tim thomas and i remember thinking there's no way this is going to work again and and i've got ovi and these guys saying hey you might have to come up with another move they're gonna know it and i'm looking at them like i don't have there's not a chance i I have one i'll just i'll just have to shoot because i don't know anyone else what else i could do but yeah, it worked for a while. It was uh, it was fun. I took pride in that. It was something that you know added to my game. I, I sure hope so. I it's, sure hope so. It's like I mean, I, I get that same way watching our guys in the shootout. Now it's I feel like I've seen Nick Patan make his same move over and over again. It's like a change up right over the blocker, right chip. over the glove, yeah. and it's just and it works every time. And you'd think that at some point somebody catches on, but when you're good at something, you know, play the hits, right? Don't yeah. don't <laughs> play the if hits. It's, if right. it ain't broke. Don't fix it. Miko Koivu the same. He'd come down on his on his offhand and go, you know, forehand, backhand, and roof it upstairs. And I I couldn't believe it worked, but it worked a lot. He did that for years. I mean, same years move. and yep. years and years he did that. Yeah, the Pierre Marc Bouchard spinorama that worked for a while too. I remember that. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. there's some good ones when you really get to thinking back on it. Um, let's wrap it with with Devo. Yeah. So obviously, this interview is going to come out just days before. Uh, the Tom Curvers Prospect Showcase. So what I want to do is for the, the fans who are watching the live stream, watching these games who, like myself, like Ben, we're not development coaches, right? We're going to watch the game from the from the eyes of a fan, seeing what obviously what we're going to see for this year. But 
casual fan who's watching these these two games, if they want to put themselves in the mindset of a development coach, what can they watch for that's maybe a different way to look at it than just a casual fan watching a hockey game? Oh, that's a good question. Because we're watching for a lot of things. Because um, for these players, these are real games. You know, let's not forget. I know it's exhibition, showcase, et cetera. But they're they're coming here to to show what they got mm-hmm. and to show the organization what what they've worked on all summer and the improvements that they've made and that they want to stick around for main camp, right? But some of the stuff that we're working that we're going to be looking for is details in their game that we've that we've talked about throughout the course of last season and and throughout the summer with these guys at development camp, we are going to be really looking at coachability. Um, Coach McLean and his staff are going to start implementing things into their, into their game. Development camp was more skill oriented, skill based, working on skill set, but now the games are starting. So you systems and, and details in the defensive zone details when it comes to special teams are all important. We want to see how they're grasping this stuff as well. If that makes any sense. Our, we're not just running around all over the ice playing an individual hockey. We want to show that we're coachable and that we have some intelligence and the ability to adapt to, to a new system. Uh, there's a lot to there's a lot to get in there. That's a good question. We're still looking for that compete number one. I think that gives people a good thing to to keep an eye on, right? No, their casual fan may not know systems and things like that, mm-hmm. but it's there are definitely things in that that. You know, anybody can pick up a hockey game and watch, especially with these young guys. So that's awesome. Handy. I'll give you one good thing. One thing that say, we talk yes. about. I'll give you one good thing that that a, a casual fan can look for and and stick detail. We harp on that. Our NHL coaches harp on that. Our American League coaches harp on that. Stick deal detail when it comes to definitely the defensive side of the puck. Is is a player forechecking? with his stick in the air or is his stick on the ice and he's leading with the blade of his stick on puck? Is he finishing a check with his stick hitting the glass or is his stick on puck? In the defensive zone, are players skating around with their stick on their pants or is their stick on the puck and always moving and taking away passing lanes? Stick detail, something a casual fan could look for. Boy, that's an excellent tidbit. I love that. That's not something I've never no. – I mean, I'm not a not development coach. Uh, really? I've never, never <laughs> even you? thought of that. So that's, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. Which leads me to my final, final, final question. So it's like, when right. it's like when you're at the bar, final, final. Um, <laughs> so final question is who had the best stick you've ever seen in that de- from that detail? Oh, I played with some really good defensive players. Um, Adam foot in Colorado comes to mind, like his ability on the penalty kill and, Defending off the rush was probably was a real good one that I played with. But I I think number one that I've ever played, been on the ice sheet with, would have to be Nicholas Lidstrom. He was incredible, and we're talking. I I swear the, the old yeah the older Red Wings they they loved putting him and Rafalski out against uh, the fourth line from the other team, and we just want to get it you know we'd want to get that puck in deep and go run around and finish our checks and make life miserable on those guys. But, you know, you'd go in on Lidstrom and you'd, you'd go to dump the puck in and he'd just bat it out of the air, right, to Zetterberg. <laughs> they transitioned through the neutral zone on three on two. And it was – you couldn't – it was hard to get the puck by him. You know, he was just 
on a whole different level? That's a really good question. That's a good question. I I love his details. And interestingly enough, I forget someone who had played against him. I asked that same question, and I heard the same answer, Lidstrom, from a stick perspective. I I was just uh insanity what he did. And, well, just everything he did was pretty insane. He's he's a decent player. (laughs) Let alone his stick stick work. (laughs) Um, Handy, I know we joked about it earlier. Anything we missed, anything that that has jarred loose in our conversations here that we should have gotten to, or else I'm certainly more than happy to put a pin in this because this has been a real treat. Yeah, no, I, I guess the, the last thing that I'll I'll end on in, in terms of the development, you know, with Bomber and Cody is, you know, we're we love we love what we get to do every day and work with these young guys. And we've got a great group of players that are driven and, and hardworking and competing to get to the highest level. And for us, it's it's extremely rewarding. Well, I can speak for the the wild down here in Des Moines and our hockey op staff. It is always it puts a smile on my face when I see my phone light up with any of your three names, whether it's yours or <laughs> Bombers or Cody's. I know the conversation will be genuine and great. So uh, thanks for all you do. Thanks for this time. And uh, good luck on your gene search as well uh, in the near future here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for having me. Like I said, I, I enjoy this stuff. It, it's a lot of fun talking to you. A giant thanks to a giant personality in Matt Hendricks for giving us a ton of time there and a great chat. And now we go from Matt Hendricks to Adrian Beardsley on another staff spotlight. Adrian, you join us here after a great chat with Matt Hendricks. That was the assistant director of player development for the Minnesota Wild. This is the manager of partnership success. Yep. That's newly acquired as well, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yes. So tell me what that means as well. I know sure. what you do, but I don't. I didn't know that the promotion, what that changes, and certainly tell the fans what you do, because that's yeah. the whole goal of, of the Staff Spotlight is we have so many keys in this cog that – so many cogs in the wheel. There's a good blooper that Marquise can add. It's going <laughs> to stay in. We're not cutting that. <laughs> no. um, uh, so many cogs in the wheel that make this place run. You're one of them. Yep. Fill us in on what exactly is Adrian Beardsley does on a day-to-day. Yeah. Um, I think my day-to-day kind of changes every single day, which is nice. I mean, Sounds it keeps nice, things yeah. interesting. Um, but recently, I just had my two-year, actually, anniversary. So going into my third season with the team. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but... Overall, I would say it changes in the seasons as well. Like now that we're leading into the season, I'm working on collecting artwork from sponsors. I oversee personally about 60 accounts um, within our department, but then we have obviously our whole team that services all of our accounts, and I really focus on executing what is put into our contracts with our partners and making sure that we're fulfilling those. Um, So whether it's signage for a game or it's an event that we're having that's taking place somewhere with a sponsor, group outings, sweet outings, anything like that. Um, that's kind of what my whole role entails, but um, I'm sure there's things I'm missing as well. Working with these two idiots to make sure we <laughs> run the stuff that everybody puts in there, right? Make yes. sure everything gets fulfilled. Yes. You, so I guess, how did you, how did you come to the wild? Like, how did you end up with this organization? Sure. Um, I knew I always wanted to be in sports. I, Graduated from Grandview University with a sports management degree and then eventually got into wrestling. I moved out to Colorado Springs and worked for them um, in their marketing department as an intern. Eventually that led me to 
working with Nike Wrestling and their merchandise uh, crew. So I traveled to all the national and regional events with them. Um, and then the Pandy Wandy game. So that kind of put a pause to what sports. Is that? Whoa, 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 oh, the Pandy Wandy pandemic yeah okay. i thought you said pandy wandy game and i was like what is this no 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 now i get it continue about to launch into something <laughs> continue <incredible. Okay>. continue <laughs> no um and so then that kind of put a pause on my sports career for the time being obviously with everything being shut down but uh once things started to open back up i knew i kind of wanted to find something here in des moines um and i had a connection to the company um who kind of helped me get my way into the interview process and it's been done deal since then i went through the interview process and here i am we kind of i don't know that we brushed past it because you didn't really touch on it but college athlete yep i played soccer my freshman year i tore my labrum though i was a goalkeeper so um that ended very quickly but Ugh. yeah hearing stories but like you that. stayed in the college athletics world though like you weren't yes. playing for the soccer team but you were very involved with the grandview wrestling team who is pretty good yeah. Yep. 11 time national champs. Proud alum. Oh, wow. Definitely. I did not know that. Yes. So um, they started the program wow. back in 2008. I hope I'm not getting that wrong. Nick Mitchell, if you see that, <laughs> don't yell at me. Um, but we won uh, starting in 2011 or 2012 consecutively for 10 years or nine years. And then we ended up losing to Life University, which is a fun story. Nick probably won't say that, but um, it was a previous athlete of ours who was a Grandview alumni who mm. became the head coach at life so it's kind of fun to see how you you make the creation of this person who ended up coming back and taking the title away from you and then they ended up winning last year so back on top if there's a way to lose that's the way to do lose it in a serendipitous fashion yeah. which is that uh that sounds like the only way i'd want to see a, a rain like that come to an end it's absolutely a, a silver lining in there but yeah i'm sure definitely for the for the athletes on that team i'm sure that stung just as bad just a little yeah, bit yeah but for the staff for the support staff i, I understand the the nice silver lining there um a game day for you it's so interesting because main roles so often in the front office staff what your nine to five is during the week it completely flips on its head during a game day. Absolutely. So what are you doing during a game day? Yeah, so leading up to the game, um, I'm usually coordinating with whether it's a sponsor or a caterer that we're doing to get our staff meal for our front office staff, um, making sure that that's delivered on time, our staff is fed and we're ready to go and fueled up for the night. Um, then when doors open, right prior to that, I'm meeting usually sponsors on the concourse to get them set up at their tables or setting out giveaway items maybe with the marketing team, making sure any last minute things on the concourse are set and ready to go. And then once the game starts, I'm kind of all over the place. I'll check in on sponsors if they're in, at the game, whether they're in a suite or if they're just at the game. Um, during the intermissions, I'll take down Zamboni and Fanboni riders um, to get them all ready to go to go out on the ice and then fun fact i drive the zamboni during the intermissions bamboni spotlight like <laughs> that. so sorry yeah jeff he'll, would be offended. he'll have our next if we try to take <laughs> he did let credit. me drive it once though really that's, yeah i see i've never that's done how that. he that's trained like one me of the few things i've never done is drive yeah. the zamboni. i know how to drive zamboni. he did tell me he did tell it. me come down anytime and yeah i just i keep forgetting so you should i know that's how he taught me initially because uh where the fanboni stored it's usually behind all the wolves like uh their basketball court oh sure so like when i first had to learn it was just kind of stuck behind all that and he's like well you get to take the big one out and i was like okay nice, <laughs> nice. yeah but it's fun and then by the end of the game i'm usually just helping whether it's sponsor handout um at the end of the game or if we have a giveaway item that we're doing as a staff um i'll be at the front doors 
or the entrances, just handing those out. And then if teardown is needed, obviously, if there's another event going on in Wells Fargo Arena, then I kind of lead teardown with our crew to make sure everything's put away properly and none of our signage is damaged. Otherwise, the night's just over and we come back for the next game. When you when you just a little side note, when you go and pick up Simon's as our meal, oh yes, grab some grab some red velvet cake for everybody. Red velvet cake. We're okay, giving out good a to lot know. of free ads. Good today, to know. He's actually on board. They're so. great. Yeah. We, no, 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 I'm just saying we had Menards earlier. Oh. Yeah. No. Oh. That was a that was an all time story. That was That's great. True. He had yeah. me, I was almost I was practically in tears with that story. It, yeah. it was very very funny. What uh, when you when you think about your time the wild. What is like, what's like one of the best stories that comes to mind? And this could be, this could be like a moment on game day. It could be something behind the scenes. It could be something like in the everyday at the office. Like what's one thing that stands out to you? It's like, it's just, it's never going to leave like your favorite memory. It could also be memory. like chaotic too. Yeah. 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 Just like what's a memory that's going to stick with you that you're never going to forget. I mean, we've True. all had absolute dumpster fires that pop up, uh, pop up out Ooh. of nowhere and you have to find a way to solve them. That mm -hmm. is one of the very behind the scenes part of working in sports, yeah. specifically my, well, actually it happens in the national hockey league too, for sure. Definitely. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, you think definitely. it doesn't. And then yeah. every league you go up, oh, you're like, wait everywhere. a minute, this happens here too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I can't imagine it's any different up there. Um, I can't think of necessarily like a chaos mode. I know there's been many, but, um, <laughs> like, and it's not even a particular like exact moment. That's my favorite moment. But I think it's just like when either an event has gone really well or like the year has gone by and everything's been executed really well. And I connect with a partner and just the thank yous that we get. And just knowing that we're executing to the best of our ability and really promising what we're giving to our sponsors and just the thankfulness that they give us. Um, just knowing that we're doing a good job in our department. What do you think you hear most from the partners about what they enjoy most about being a partner with the Iowa Wild? I think it's the fans. I mean, most of them are a fan themselves or once they become a sponsor, they come to games and they experience a game with our fan base and they're just unlike any kind. They're, they're amazing. I mean, you sit in the attack zone and you're going to hear a lot of different things coming out of people's <laughs> mouths, but it's a good time overall. And I feel like that's something that always sticks with them. When you, I mean, Riding the Bus podcast. And usually we don't do this with the staff spotlight. Nice. But I like as, where you're going with As this. an athlete, somebody oh, who has yeah, definitely done. ridden a bus to and from For sure. uh, games and whatnot, can you give us a good bus story? Ooh. I yes, actually, I have a great one. Um, so it was uh, my last year as a wrestling manager for Grandview University. So not when I was personally an athlete, but um, we were on our way home from nationals. We had just won. And we're probably not even an hour or two into our drive and our bus broke down. And it's like 11 o'clock midnight. We're in BFE, uh, Indiana. Literally the closest thing to us is a fire station. So we walked all as a group, like all 45 of us walk over to this fire station. Like, we please take us in? It's it's the middle of the winter. Like, it's January. It's you team national. Yeah. Um, and we were just like, could you please help us at least until we find like a way to get home or somebody to come and repair our bus? And we probably sat there for five hours and just played card games. We tried on the suits of the firefighters. They were very welcoming, very fun. But like the last thing we expected and the last thing we wanted on intending to go on an eight hour bus ride home and had just the best time all together. But yeah, that is a remarkable tale. Yeah. That's a remarkable. <laughs> it <tale>. was. <laughs> so we've had two bus stories, one that involved a fire 
from Matt Hendricks. And, oh. one, that and one that involved firefighters in a yes. fire station today. That's great. Yes. Wow. That's how, talk about... Uh, that's, that that's, worked out perfectly. That that happened. <laughs> um, I forgot you had told me that too. I'm now uh-huh. like, you started going into it. I was like, why have I heard this before? Because we talked about it the other day. Yes. So, oh, good, I mean, good journalism you, on my part to bring that you, one out. <laughs> when you win a national championship, I can only guess. I've never been anywhere close to winning a national championship. Nothing's gonna phase you. Yeah, you're I just. Mean, <laughs> I mean, you're just like we'll bl- we'll brave the blizzard. Yeah. We'll find the fire station. We're national champions. Who, yeah. You know who cares? Especially We're with good. a bunch of wrestlers. I mean, you can't <laughs> you can't kill them. They could walk through fire. I feel like. I'm trying to think of what what else we've we've hit our staff spotlight guess with. You have any questions for us? Mm, yeah. We're gonna turn the tables. Hmm. I feel like I work with you more than I work with Ben. So tell me a crazy story about maybe something that's happened in the past few years in your role. How long has this podcast been going? Too long. As long as we want. It's our podcast, Ben. That's true. Um, Boy. Um, What story should I tell? I'll probably tell the story about going to San Diego two years ago where we we sat on the tarmac for in Des Moines no weather there was no de-icers for some reason at the airport which this was I think it was March so like why were there not de-icers yeah a whole different discussion they they had to contract out de-icers to come in so we sat on the tarmac on the plane for three hours missed our connecting flight to go to San Diego bye at least an hour, like not oh even gosh. close. And we played the next day. Okay. And so anytime there's a delay or a cancellation, I have to go into DEFCON 5 mode and try to figure out what's, oh, yeah. what's going to happen. And this is not just me. This is and if there's ever a team service director that listens to this, they will be like, oh, yeah, been there. Done. Like this is going to sound crazy, but to Seven anybody times, that's done actually. it, yes, yeah. this, is, <laughs> this isn't that insane. But so we ended up flying to Houston where our connection was supposed to be because – the counter, I forget what airline we were flying at this time, um, said Houston would be the best place to go. There's the most connections out of there. Okay. There was two flights left going to San Diego that day. And again, played the next day. So, like, we got to get there. Yeah, one way or another. Night. And we get there so late, we miss, we miss the connecting flight. So there's only one left, and there's only eight seats on it. So we have a group of like 25, 26. A group of 36. Oh, because, yeah, I'm th- getting staff. staff and everything. So yep. We get there. The first per gentleman I speak with at the ticket counter didn't know what was going on. Like the one thing I've learned in this role is when you need to get something done, if you within the opening five minutes of a conversation with someone that's helping you, if you gl- glean that they don't kind of know what's going on, you don't have time to wait and sort it out with them. You got to yeah. move on. Yep. So I don't rem- I don't know where this woman came from. I, to this day, still think she could have been an angel and she just evaporated out of, you know, into thin air the minute we turned around because the person I was talking to said there was no, there was no room on that San Diego flight. And so like, you can get into LA at like 2 AM. They said, we're like, we can't, like we play the next day. We can't do that. Right. And so this person couldn't figure it out. This, this godsend shows up out of nowhere and is like, kind of like pokes her head and like, Hey, what's going on down here? And I'm just, I instantly need, I'm like, great. I need to get away from this person, this agent. So I start talking to this woman and she finds a way to get eight guys on that San Diego flight. So we sent part of the group on that flight. The next group we had to fly in 
couple hours later, and that flight was happening as we were talking. So, like, I grabbed, and it has it works in a pecking order, our athletic trainer and then our eight oldest most veteran players, Cody McLeod, uh, a bunch of others that were, again, all just sitting behind me waiting to see what we're going to do. Right. They sprint down the terminal, get to that flight, mm -hmm. get to San Diego in time. The rest of us had to wait another couple hours, fly into Orange County. And so after we get that figured out, I like I literally I, I gave the person, this woman, a hug and was like, thank you so much. Right. God bless you. I'm just I'm indebted to you. And then, but then I got to figure out how to get a bus to, to Orange County <laughs> to get us down the coast, figured that out, got in there that night. And then I believe they, uh, I believe they swept in San Diego. Okay. It all too. paid off. So every once in a while, there's like you, as a team services person, you deliver something, which if you lose those games, it's, it's your fault. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And really what it, half the time when it comes down to a team services is, do you find the right person? Do you get lucky or not? Like as much as they're right. like, way to go, Ben, it's really just like you got lucky and found yeah. the right person. It yep. wasn't like, I mean, there's some things you can do to be a good team services director. A lot of it really is dumb luck. But there's every once in a while you have an occasion like that where you feel like in a very small way you did help contribute to a big weekend. And that that is a fun part of that side of the fun. job. But I, I would that. not would not recommend that type of stress. Nope. Because that's <laughs> I can that's, imagine yeah, that's a different level of stress. <laughs> so yeah, there's my my long way around the barn story about getting to San Diego a couple years ago. And there Love are that. that's one of many, I'm yeah, sure. At least two handfuls <laughs> in my three years now of doing it. So yeah. Well, nice. I actually just thought of a question for you while he was telling that story. All right. Had enough time. Thought I was After off the getting marketing department of the year this year, what are you most excited about for this upcoming year as a marketing department? Yeah, pressure's on now, Goldstein. How do you follow that up? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. What am I most excited about this year? Um truthfully the thing that i'm i'm like really amped up about is this women in sports night and how we're going to build that out and and because it's something we've never done before and i know it does it's it's been a success in in other ahl markets and some nhl markets nfl and like teams are doing this all over the place um so i'm really excited to see how that comes together and like we there we have a lot of ideas for it i think it's just a matter of what we can actually bring to life but True. i think it's gonna be, be something really cool for fans like i i don't know if i said it. i think i said it to you last week when we were talking about the promo schedule but when we were at the ahl meetings in tucson there was a whole session about women in sports which er everybody sat in on mm -hmm. um as, as great as those meetings are and you learn a lot of things for me and i'm not a woman working in sports that was the coolest segment of the entire like three days we were there. So um, I think it's really cool just to showcase that because now more than ever, women are playing prominent roles yeah, in sports, mm -hmm. right? So like, I think that that's a, a cool thing to be able to showcase and see how everybody got to where they're at. So that's one that uh, I think I'm probably the most excited about. And what a better organization to do it too than one led by a woman. A woman? Yeah. yeah. Cornick, Hopefully right? exactly. we can get her to moderate. I, I haven't asked her. She's out of maternity leave. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> She's busy with the baby. more important <laughs> yeah. things going on. I, would, I would <laughs> hope yeah. that she, she jumps at the opportunity because I know she was um, a couple of years ago. She when not Tucson, forget where we were, uh, Lehigh Valley. They were going to do a women's sports panel. Ended up falling through, but she was going to be someone who speaks on that panel. So I know it's something that she wants to do, and, and obviously 
is invested in. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can build that out. That's really the, the thing that stands out to me most um, on the marketing side. You know, I, I don't know. I think our TV spots are going to be really cool, the ones that we're doing this year. Um, I guess the other big thing, too, is just the the – not the look and feel, but kind of the uh, our, our slogan that we're really running behind. Mm-hmm. The you know it starts in Des Moines. I know that's one that we've talked with with Coach and, and Brett is he's couldn't be more on board with. Which is what a pat on the back. It took us so long to get to that. Yeah, I didn't know what we were gonna do for a while, and then that's <laughs> kind of just where we landed. But you should tell um, the story when you learned that he was such a big fan of it because your initial reaction was not terror. Was not that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And then we'll stop because we've been going for a long time. <laughs> it's okay. But Shaky, was, Shaky was last week. That was a 90-minute interview that's alone. True. That's yeah. true. Oh, but yeah. This, it was, yeah. Uh, it I w- can imagine yeah. that one. It was terrific. But <laughs> long. Yeah. Oh, sure. It's, uh, it's, just, it's a cool tagline just given, like, when you think of, I mean, we recorded our radio donut today, and it, it ends with wild hockey. It starts in Des Moines. I don't say Iowa hockey because mm-hmm. it's a wild brand. It, it's it starts here. Yeah. These young guys, this is the future of the organization. Everything for for us starts here. We are a feeder for the NHL team on the prospect pool. We have staff who have gone on. We are the guinea pig for a lot of ideas that if they go well, the NHL can take and run with. Mm-hmm. Everything starts here for us. It builds off the Iowa growing piece. So that's what I'm really excited about um, from like a true marketing side of things. As far as how... <laughs> I found out that coach was on board. <laughs> I was uh, I was driving to Michigan for a wedding because I drive stupid distances over the summer everywhere because flights are stupid expensive. <laughs> um, and I'm I'm driving and I'm I've been in the car at this point six and a half hours, seven hours, getting to the tail end of the trip, and I get a phone call from Allie, and I'm on this PTO and I'm I go. Oh, oh boy like i don't know what this is going to be so i answer the phone she's like hey how's it going just checking in how the drive was good good and she's like i got a call from coach today and i go oh, <laughs> I, oh no <laughs> i i i so i apple car play i muted the phone my mother was in the passenger seat and i said oh shit <laughs> you're gonna have to bleep that <laughs> and i unmuted it and i said what's up what did we do or like what what what's wrong and she goes he was just kind of just talking about, uh, you know, the upcoming season, things he's looking forward to, and he loves the It Starts in Des Moines hashtag. And I just Relief. melted, so it, melted, melted into the chair. Yeah. It was great. And I was like, I, I said, you, you scared me. Because usually when you get a call and it's like, I talked to coach, it's it's not a good thing. Yeah. yeah, usually uh, coaches you don't want to usually hear that. Co- And usually coaches aren't, aren't – it's an example of how Brett operates. Usually coaches aren't – even chiming in on that no. kind of stuff. No. And, and if that, they and if he they is are, that locked and in. if people are chiming in on that, it's because something went wrong <laughs> yeah. or you did something wrong, you screwed <laughs> up, you posted something you shouldn't have done, which happens all the time yes, in does. any yeah. organization. Yeah. So that getting that I was like, uh oh, what did we do? <laughs> right. And then it came out that everything was all good. And I was like completely different. I was like, great, because it like, you know, it, it took our marketing team a long time to come up with that. Marquise knows he was in a lot of these conversations. Mm-hmm. It took us a long we went through six or seven different taglines before we landed on that one. So it's uh, nothing really resonated except until we hit this one. So mm-hmm. it's uh, everybody's behind it. We love it. So, yeah. 
Adrian, thanks so much for stopping thanks by. Thanks for having me. I Absolutely. feel honored. Yeah, this was a, this was a blast. Uh, a big thank you to Marquise Jones as well for yes. editing on the video side. To Jeremy Core for uh, with Executive Podcasting Solutions for making sure this is listenable to all of our fans out there. Also to Matt Hendricks for a great great interview. And Joey, any final thoughts before we put a lid on another? longer episode we're just getting longer and longer although the off season's coming to an end so our time is yep, gonna, yep. we're going to get we're shorter gonna, and yeah, shorter you know what? we're going to bring this now. full circle off season's coming to an end we talked about it at the very beginning preseason game is out there coming up October 6th tickets are out there now get them because it's going to be your first chance to see the guys on the ice get a look in person uh, what our team's going to look like this year. Tickets are only $10. $2 from every ticket is going to go back to a good cause in our Team the Hunger event. Uh, so you'd be crazy not to get it. Preseason game. It's going to be a good time. Uh, I'm excited about it. Hockey will be back. First preseason game we've held here in quite some time. So Bang. I know everybody's on board. Bang. This has been episode 24 of Riding the Bus, the official Iowa Wild podcast presented by Explore Minnesota. Thanks so much for joining us. And as always, go wild. Two hawks are the one.